Chapter 19 The bear eventually dropped the seal carcass, stood up on all fours, and lumbered away. When he was out of sight, we walked to the bloodstained spot. Four wolves and two fleas. The body was about four feet long. The bear had left us plenty. In fact, it looked like he'd just ripped off the skin and chowed down on the seal's blubber, leaving most of the meat for us. It was still steaming. We looked over it, looking briefly at each other and then back to the body. None of us wanted to take that first bite. Axe? Tobias? What about you guys? Jake asked. They were both stuck on my skin somewhere. Actually, Axe replied sheepishly, I am not hungry. Um, me neither, Tobias mumbled. What? said Rachel. How can you not be hungry? Then, Oh. I apologize, Marco, Axe said. The flea's instinct was quite strong. It's okay, Cassie said. It's no worse than what we're about to do. Oh yeah? I said. You can have them next, Cassie. You guys could have at least asked. Let's just do this, Jake said abruptly. He stuck his snout into the carcass and tore off a stringy piece of the seal's flesh. We joined in after that, digging our sharp wolf's teeth into the already half-frozen body, tearing off chunks and gulping them. Say, Axe, I said when I'd finished gorging. Any idea where we are? Far north, he said. Northern Canada? Alaska? Greenland? Rachel offered. Iceland? It might not be THE Iceland, but it's in Iceland, Tobias said. Past that, who cares? We've got company, Jake interrupted. A couple of Arctic foxes were sitting on the ice a hundred yards away. They were about two feet long, with thick coats of long white fur. They'll just have to wait until we're done. Rachel said greedily. Life's going pretty well, huh? I said. We're down to chewing seal bones. Not that I'm complaining. Any food is better than no food. It could use salt, Cassie said. Coming from her, it was so unexpected, we all burst out laughing. Salt? It could use a charcoal grill, some barbecue sauce, and fries on the side, Jake said. And coffee. Hot coffee. I don't even drink coffee, and I want some. Cassie stuck her nose into a drift and used the snow to wash the blood off her mouth. Then she rubbed her paws in the snow to wash them off, too. Now what? Cassie asked. Yeah, now what, Dad? I asked Jake. He sighed. So far, we're just getting chased. You don't win by running away. But first things first... We need to acquire some cold-weather morphs. We're barely surviving right now, 
We need the power to go on offense. What do you think the odds are that our pal the polar bear will let us acquire him? I asked. Then, my sensitive nose picked up the scent of seals. Very close. Live seals. I spotted the two little gray balls floating in the water. They were the baby seals who'd escaped from the polar bear, looking right at us with those big black eyes. They had faces like puppy dogs. Little heads with big eyes and whiskers. No ears. I usually like to reserve the word cute for myself exclusively, but there was really no other way to describe them. They're looking for their mother, Cassie said. Their mother? Their mother was... An unexpected wave of emotion swept over me. Dumb, I know, but for two years, I thought my mom was dead. Not the same, though. Was it? Watching those little seals floating in the water, waiting for the mother who would never return, brought all the sadness back in a rush. I moved between them and the horrible carcass on the ice. It wasn't our doing, killing their mother, but we'd profited from it. Our cold mother morphs, Rachel said. Right there. Chapter 20 Jake came up with the plan. Cassie and I volunteered. The job wasn't that hard, actually. While still on the ice, Cassie and I demorphed and remorphed into dolphins. We had to move fast. Dolphins are relatively warm water animals, with no fur or blubber to help them deal with this kind of killing cold. Then, Jake and Rachel pushed us into the freezing water. I felt like one of those clowns you see on the news occasionally. You know... The ones who like to go swimming in the freezing winter ocean, and nothing but swimming trunks. The minute I hit the water, I could feel my whole dolphin body, usually so full of energy and playfulness, go stiff and numb. The seal pups barely even tried to escape. In any case, it was a vain try. Seals are amazingly agile, but we had the speed and the size and the intensity. They dodged and weaved once or twice, but they were no match for us. I tried not to think about what that meant for their future. If they were no match for a couple of chilly dolphins, they'd be no match for the first killer whale or polar bear to come along. Cassie and I grabbed one in a perfectly executed acrobatic maneuver. We came up swiftly behind him and each grabbed a flipper. The pup struggled, but this was a case of Great Dane versus Chihuahua. He did, however, manage to scratch me on the nose a few times with his tiny teeth. It drew blood. It hurt, and it felt good. I felt like I deserved it. After we'd gotten a good grip on him with our mouths, being careful not to hurt him, we pulled him back to the others. They'd started to demorph when they saw us coming back. We nosed the little seal up onto the ice, up at the feet of a strange little collection of unlikely creatures. Two humans dressed for an August day, a red-tailed hawk shifting from talon to frozen talon on the ice, and axe. Jake and Rachel grabbed the pup and held them between them. First one, then the other, acquired the pup's DNA. They held him still as Axe pressed his many-fingered hand into the wet fur. Tobias fluttered up and landed on Rachel's shoulder, a painful thing for Rachel, though by then she was too cold to feel the bite of the talons. The seal pup looked up, mystified but amused, at the winged creature who gingerly touched him with his talon. Cassie and I propelled ourselves up out of the water and demorphed on the ice. Not a pleasant experience. 
My skin froze to the ice, halfway between dolphin and human. I ended up leaving an inch of Marco behind. Have I mentioned that it's cold? I shivered, human once more. I touched the seal. Wet and firm and soft, like touching a furry water balloon. Sorry, I said, for no good reason. Nothing we can do, Cassie said. She set the pup back down on the ice. He scooted to the water's edge and slid in, rejoining his, or her, brother or sister. They might m- make it, Rachel chattered. But Cassie shook her head. For some reason, she smiled sadly at Tobias. No, they won't make it, but they'll feed some orca or polar bear, and you can't go all mushy over these guys without realizing that orca babies and polar bear babies have an equal right to live. Still, if we could, Tobias said. They were remembering the skunk litter we'd once saved. Tobias had eaten one of the skunk kits. Then he'd helped Cassie keep the rest alive. Nature, huh? Rachel said. Yeah, nature, he replied. Guess we better morph. Or we could just stand here freezing solid while discussing survival of the fittest, I said. I was hopping from barefoot to barefoot, trying not to let either freeze to the ice. Rachel gave me one of her patented, insolent smiles. You in a hurry, Marco? Has it occurred to you yet that if those little guys are some killer whale's meat, we will be too? That had not occurred to me. Now it was occurring to me in vivid color, with sound effects. That's a happy thought, Rachel. Always here for you, Marco, she said. But already, Rachel was changing. I focused my cold-addled brain on the new image of the seal. And then, slowly at first, I began to morph. My arms began to shrink, smaller and smaller. Weird doll-sized replicas of arms that shrank till they were no more than three inches long. My fingers shrunk too, but from the tips grew long, ice-gripping claws. The fingers melted together, then instantly separated again, drawing a thin web of flesh between. My legs were almost disappearing. I knew I was going to fall, but it still surprised me when I just suddenly plopped over, face first, onto ice. My feet shrank and narrowed and transformed themselves into the seal's flippers. All the while, my torso was growing smaller and yet chubbier. Blubber bubbled up beneath my skin. It was a little like that movie with Eddie Murphy, the nutty professor. Like that, only on a smaller scale. I heard squishy sounds as my internal organs twisted around to fit my new body. My bones cracked and groaned, reshaping themselves to form my new skeleton. I was now an overinflated football with flippers. On my still human face, I grew long whiskers. My ears shriveled up and into my skull, leaving just a pair of holes. My head was no bigger than a baseball, while my nose stretched itself out until it was shaped like a puppy's. I looked out at the frozen world through large, dark eyes, and discovered that they saw about as well as my human ones. Finally, short, thick fur sprouted all over my body, rippling across my chest and down my back like I was a chia pet. And then... And then... Oh, the joy! The blessing! The fabulous, incredible, sensuous sensation! The most wonderful thing I have ever felt from the day of my birth to that very moment!
Warmth. I was warm. Warm. If the heavens had opened up and a giant hand had come down out of the clouds, giving me a billion dollars, my pick from the entire cast of Baywatch, past and present, and allowing me to grow two feet taller while magically acquiring all of Michael Jordan's skill with a basketball, I could not have been happier. I was warm. Cold? What cold? There was no cold. I was on the beach at Malibu, sipping lemonade and trash-talking with Tom Cruise. I felt other things, of course. The seal's instincts were all there. An urge to run, an urge to chase fish, yada yada. But come on, I was warm! My whiskers were amazingly sensitive. They felt even the slightest change in wind, the slightest movement from anyone else in our group. And part of me was still sniffing for my mother. But I, Marco, was the one in control. And I, Marco, was warm. Did I mention I was warm? And happy? For about three seconds. The Venber! Tobias yelled, blowing my happy mood away. Whirr! Jake snapped. A huge bolt of blistering light hit the ice, not a foot away. If it had hit rock, we'd have been blown apart in the shrapnel explosion. But it hit a patch of perfectly smooth ice. Ricochet! The drink cannon blast hit at a low angle, hit reflective ice, bounced, and blew a hole in the side of the ridge behind us. It was a one in a million shot. We decided not to try for two. Run! Dive! No! Jake yelled. Run. Yeah, right. No problem. I spun my ball-shaped body. We were only a few feet from the water, but it seemed like a mile with these weird little legs. No, not legs. Feet. Feet with no legs. Not a good land-going combination. I shuffled my fat belly right and left, right and left, an inch toward the water. It probably looked funny. It didn't feel funny. A miss, but not by much. Water and oil rose in a column behind us, old faithful at sub-zero temperatures. They must have seen us morph, Cassie said. Maybe they just really hate seals, I said. But even in my panic, I realized the importance of what Cassie had said. If the Venber knew we were human, we couldn't allow them to reach the Yurks again. I shuffled my fat belly over the ice, picked up momentum, saw the water's edge, kicked frantically, and... The next cannon blast blew the spot where we'd been into ice cubes. But by then, I was in the water. Chapter 21 Awkward as our seal bodies were on land, they were perfect for the water. We couldn't swim as fast as dolphins, and our tail flippers weren't as efficient as a dolphin's tail. But we cruised, using our front flippers as rudders. We should be safe under the surface, Jake said. There's no way they can follow us, right, Axe? I believe not, Prince Jake, Axe replied. I noticed one of the others doing it first, making little clicking noises, echolocation. Like dolphins. Like bats. Like Venber. 
I shot off a few clicks of my own. What bounced back was an amazing picture of my surroundings. Every fish, every plant, several other seals close by, every chunk of ice floating on the surface. We swim for maybe half an hour, back toward the Yurk base, back toward our mission, long forgotten and the rush to stay alive. It was also, we hoped, a good tactic. We would be doubling back on the Venber. With any luck at all, they'd search the ice for us till they became extinct. Again. Did they see us? I mean, as humans? I asked. Why else would they take a shot at a bunch of seals? Tobias wondered. Great, now we have a whole new problem, Rachel said. We can't let them reach the York base. Go kick their butts, Rachel. Let me know when you're done. There is a way to ensure that these Venber do not connect with the Yurks, Axe pointed out. Destroy the Yurk base. Yeah, cause that'll be so easy, I said. Wipe out the base, we eliminate the problem, Jake reasoned. Kill two birds with one stone, as they say. Sorry, Tobias, he added as an afterthought. We stopped twice to surface and catch a breath. Seals can only hold their breath for about 10 or 15 minutes. We spy-hopped up through the holes in the ice, but the frozen monsters were nowhere to be seen. Neither were any bears. For the first time since we'd landed in this godforsaken place, I felt almost comfortable. I should have known the feeling wouldn't last. Here they come! Cassie yelled. For a split second, I didn't know what they were. But then I felt a vibration in my whiskers and knew the threat came from the water. That meant one thing. Orca! Killer whales! Move, move, move! Jake screamed. We moved. But then, down through the murk of water, I saw them. Twin submarines in white and black. Willy free and looking for a seal meal. Oh man! Tobias groaned. They're on us! These are very large creatures, Axe said with more than a little panic in his voice. Yeah, they are, Rachel replied. And I think they've got big appetites too. I pumped my rear flippers as fast as I could. Above us, sheet ice. A hole! We needed a hole! There! Light! I shot toward the hole. I saw the others converging with me. One, two... Three, four, five, six. We blew through the hole into the air and landed on ice. Mad scrambling to get away from the hole. Crazed, clumsy scrabbling. But then I looked down. Down through the ice, I saw a black and white smile. I could see the orca, which meant... Cut left! I yelled. The huge, blunt snout exploded through the ice like a scene out of Hunt for Red October. Right beside me, the ice rose up, a brand new mountain. I slid down the steepening slope and motored my pathetic claws. The second killer whale erupted not ten feet in front of us. They were working together, trapping us. I am so totally sick of this mission! I shouted. Morph! Cassie yelled. They hunt seals, not humans. Great advice, 
But try demorphing when the navy from hell is popping up all around you, grinning big toothy grins and eyeballing you like you're a cheeseburger. I scrambled and slid and began to emerge into my human shape. The orca behind me dropped down into the water, then shot. If you can picture a black and white sausage the size of a stretch limo shooting, straight up, over my head and dropping toward me. Any normal seal would have kept going in a straight line, and any normal seal would have been lunch. But I had a human brain. I dug one claw into the ice and spun to my right. A huge load of sleep blubber landed with a crash inches behind me. Mouth open, the orca was ready to snap me up. Only, I wasn't there anymore. And by the time Willie spotted me again, I had very cold arms and very cold legs and was hobbling away like some hideous freak of nature. Willie thought that over. He decided he didn't want to be eating anything that looked quite like me. The two seal killers slid back down through the ice, and went off about their murderous day, while I stood there, demorphing, and shaking, and shivering, and chattering out words I can't repeat here. I saw the others spread out over a hundred yards or so, all in their normal bodies, all looking about like I felt. Is this just the absolute armpit of the universe? I demanded. Ask him, Rachel said. Only then did I notice that everyone was not staring at me, but past me. I turned, and I said, Hi, um, no offense about that armpit thing and all. None taken, he said. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel. Um, yeah, thank you for listening. We're down another another episode, and I have uh, I have an email here that is very pertinent because I was just thinking as I was wrapping up editing for this one. Like, it sure is a great coincidence that I happen to be recording this book about the freezing cold um, in the month of December, you know. Um, so we can all have a little bit of a, you know, ARG augmented uh, experience um, listening to this story because they're cold and we're cold and it's like we're there, you know. And bouncing off that, I got an email from um, our longtime listener, Frida. Frida, I am so sorry. I've forgotten how, you, how to pronounce your name. I think it's Frida. Um our our Norwegian, <laughs> I believe Norwegian friend, uh, yes Norway, put it. She put it in uh, the her signature. It, it is Norway. I was I I got that right. I get sorry. I sometimes get the Nordic countries mixed up in my head. Um, but Frida wrote in, uh, "Good evening or morning or day or night." Happens to be night, so thank you. Um, just want to pop. Just wanted to pop by and share the irony or perhaps coincidence. Of listening to episode 275, book 25, at the point where they jump off Visser 3's blade ship into the ice and snow, damn near freezing to death, while I myself am outside in minus 10 degrees Celsius, which is 16 degrees Fahrenheit. Thank you for including the convergence, Friday. I really appreciate that. Uh, and that, according to the weather report, feels like minus 16 Celsius, which is 5 degrees Fahrenheit. I drive in a an electric BMW i3, and the doors have frozen shut many a time this month, with temperatures down to minus 16 Celsius, 32, uh, 3.2 degrees Fahrenheit, and feeling like minus 22 degrees Celsius, uh, which is minus 7.6 degrees Fahrenheit. 
This brilliant evening, at 2.30 a.m. in the morning, the charge port door had frozen shut, and I had just spent half an hour defrosting it by means of a heat pack and my own frosty hands. I got it open and could charge my car with a 10-kilometer drive range left on the battery. Spent another half an hour pouring li- putting liquid silicone on the rubber on the doors to avoid it happening again, which you should all do. Uh, it maintains the rubber and keeps it flexible, regardless of temperature. Great tip, thank you. Um, not so much for me, because I don't live in a place where it snows, but for everyone else. In short, the cold is cold, and I feel our group of protagonists. Thank you for making the defrosting process less miserable. Cheers from the frozen north. Friede, the tram driver from Norway. Thank you so much for writing in, Friede. Um, and I am so sorry you had to go on that harrowing adventure. Um, I had something similar happen to me once. Uh, for a little bit after I graduated college, I was working third shift at a Target, which meant that uh, I would go in at 4 a.m. and leave at 8 a.m. Um, I was helping unload the trucks and stock shelves. But um, I used to live in Indiana, which does get quite chilly in the wintertime. And I had uh, just moved in with a friend and I didn't have any I didn't have house keys yet. Because uh, I was not technically on the lease. I just sort of, um, you know, paid a portion of the rent to live there. They had a room. It was chill. Um, But I didn't have keys. I had just moved there. Um, And I was still trying to adjust to doing a third shift uh, work schedule. Um, I So I was trying to find ways to help me stay asleep during the day. And the night before, I had bought some sleep aids at Target. And um, they're just, you know, generic brand uh, sleep aids from the pharmacy aisle. And I said, and I thought, you know, well, I'll give these a try. Um, so it was like 2.30 in the afternoon. And I took a couple and I said, I don't need to send an alarm. Uh, what am I going to do? Sleep for 14 hours? That would be silly. Um, and then I did. I did sleep for 14 and a half hours. I woke up at 4.30 a.m., realized I was extremely late for work, uh, trying to get dressed while I call in me like, I'm so sorry, I'm on my way. Like, I had just started this. Like, uh, this was like the first week I was working there. <laughs> um, dead of winter, too. Finals week, actually. Uh, this was a college town. I had graduated college, but I was in a college town. Um, and so I rushed out the front door... And then realized I had left my car keys inside. And the door had locked behind me. So I was standing out there and I'm not sure exactly what the temperature was. Um, but probably uh, I around like 20 degrees Fahrenheit uh, at night. You know, it's 4.30 a.m. Um, dead silent out. And I... Tried, I'm like, I'm so sorry, but I got to ring this doorbell and get one of my roommates to come and let me in. Um, and apparently, uh, everyone in that house sleeps like the dead. <laughs> because I rang that doorbell on and off for maybe another 30 minutes before one of them uh, woke up. Um, so there, there was a point where I was like, what do I do? do if no one comes to the door because I can't stay out here until someone wakes up. I might actually die. So that was pretty scary and I felt super, super bad um, about waking that guy up. Um, Oh gosh, his name's escaping me, but 
I'm so sorry once again. That's that is a moment that will haunt me for the rest of my life because um inconveniencing people is like my worst nightmare. Actually my worst nightmare might be slowly freezing to death outside, but second it's up there, second place. Um so thank you so much uh for writing in free day and allowing me to go on that winding story that I'm sure it was much more exciting for me than it was for you to listen to, dear listener. But if you'd like to share your own harrowing adventures in the cold or anything else, uh, you can reach me in a variety of ways. You can write in uh, through Gmail like Friday did. That's audiomorphscast at gmail.com. You can uh, write in through Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. I have a uh, contact form on my website. That's theapodcalypse.com. The Apocalypse, like Apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. It's also where you can check out my other creative projects, which at this point currently, the only ongoing one is uh, my rewatch podcast with my friend Art. We're currently rewatching into, or we're currently watching Riverdale. Um, and it's been a great time. I need to do better about uploading episodes for that one, but it's still ongoing. Um, uploads are somewhere in season four or five. I think we just started five on uploads, even though. Uh, we as people are on season six, viewing wise. Again, I've slacked off a little bit. Um, and you could also reach me on Twitter. That's at Audiomorphs. Uh, that's also where you should check if I'm ever late uploading. I show I would be uh, putting the reason there. Wow, my mouth is getting away from me. I'm all over the place. I haven't eaten yet, so I'm, maybe that's it. Anyway, thank you all for listening. Everyone, stay warm out there, especially. Um, Everyone being affected in the U.S. with this major cold front moving through. Um, and then doubly especially if you are one of the people in the warmer states that's getting hit by that. Because I know the infrastructure um, and your own personal wardrobe um, are not equipped for cold. Um, so it's a little scary. Stay safe. Um, and that's that's all I got. So just like those Animorphs, stay warm out there and I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>